the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. All of us have a part in the work that God desires to do in the here and now in this dark world that we live in. Welcome to Core Truth Radio, a radio ministry of Core Church Los Angeles with pastor and Bible teacher Steve Wilbert. Pastor Steve will be teaching the Word of God with truth right from the Bible. For more information, Log on to corechurchla.org. That's corechurchla.org. Now here's Pastor Steve with today's Core Truth. Well, we're going to be in 1 Samuel chapter 3. I entitled this message, A Listening Heart. And we talk about heart, you know, we're really talking about our soul, a soul that listens. Have you ever noticed how many ways there are to listening to somebody? Many different ways. I can remember all the ways that I would listen to my wife when we first got married. There was the, hey, I worked all day really hard, and I got to get up at 4.30 tomorrow because I was working in construction. I have to get up at 4.30 in the morning, and I would be gone all day, and I wouldn't get home till 7, 8 o'clock at night. So my poor wife, you know, it's like her new husband comes in and she's just, just all kinds of things to say. And I'd be like, just, you know, I just worked, you know, 14 hours and I'm ready to go to sleep. And I would say to her, hey, hon, can we, can we go talk? You know, we'll go lay down in bed. She's like, oh, sure, you know. As soon as I got into the horizontal position, I was out. And she was talking to nobody because I was gone, you know. And, and then that would be it. Then there was another kind of listening I did to my wife when, you know, we first got married. It was in listening during a Lakers game. That's when I'd be saying, uh-huh, yeah, right, okay, yeah, no problem. And, but I don't think I heard a word that she said because I was engrossed in the game. Then there's a... Did you fix the closet door yet conversation on Saturday morning? And I'm telling you, you know, one thing a man doesn't want to hear on his day off is the honeydew list. Okay, So, yeah, I think, uh, you know, many of us, depending on, you know, where we're at, we can have a guilty conscience about having selective hearing to those that we love. And there's just times when we don't hear too well. Then there are those that will say one thing, but then in all actuality, they'll mean something totally different. Like when a doctor says to us, if it doesn't clear up in a week, give me a call. What does that actually mean? What it means is he doesn't have a clue on what it is, and he's just hoping that it'll go away by itself. Or what about when the doctor says, this is going to hurt a little. You ever get that from a doctor? Okay. What that actually means is you're about to experience more pain than a woman giving birth to quadruplets. Okay. That's what that actually means. And, you know, we have to wonder if when a doctor says, I have some good news and some bad news, does that really mean that the good news is he's buying a new Mercedes Benz and the bad news is <laughs> you're going to pay for it? I, I'm not sure. But, uh, but when it comes to listening, especially as a believer, listening to the Lord, 
I wonder what method of hearing we have to him. You know, is our hearing sensitive and alert to the Lord? Or is our hearing kind of disconnected and selective? Because how we listen to the Lord will determine the depth of our relationship that we will have with him. Because sometimes we as Christians can pray without actually praying. There's times that we as Christians can worship without actually worshiping. And we can listen without actually listening. And yet in the midst of some whose hearts waver from fully following the Lord to others who barely follow the Lord, God continues to seek after us. Isn't that just God's grace? He continues to reach after us in our moments of darkest times. You know, I love that verse. It's in Isaiah 30, verse 18. It says, therefore, the Lord, you know, longs to be gracious to you. And therefore, he waits on high to have compassion on you. For the Lord is the God of justice. How blessed are those who long for him. Boy, there's nothing more that God wants out of all of us that we would just simply want him. That, he, that we would want to spend time with him. That we would want to obey what he tells us to obey. Yes, the Lord longs to be gracious and merciful to us. He desires to have compassion on us. For God knows everything about us. I mean, nothing we have ever done is hidden from his sight. And yet, knowing that, he still loves us. He knows how weak we are at times, along with knowing what it's like to be tempted like we're tempted at times, for he walked among us. God lived in a human body just like ours. Jesus was fully God and fully man at the same time. He knows the allurement and the pull of sin that we face on a daily basis. You might wonder, well, how does he know that? Well, because he was tempted just like we're tempted, yet he never sinned. Remember what the Bible says in Hebrews 4.15, it says, For we do not have a high priest, talking about Jesus, who cannot sympathize with our weaknesses, but rather we have one who has been tempted in all things as we are, yet without sin. We're going to look at a prayer and an answered prayer of Hannah. And as a backdrop, you know, Hannah was a woman that could not have children. And at one point, you know, she was just so despondent, she didn't even want to eat anymore. She was just so, you know, wanting children so bad and not being able to have them that her husband came and said, but aren't I better to you than than seven sons? And she's like, uh, no, (laughs) no. And so she continued to pray. And as you remember, she was there in the temple and she was just wording, wording the mouse with her mouth, just you know, kind of, you know, just not speaking, but just, you know, speaking to herself in prayer. And, and the priest there, Eli, was so sensitive, meaning he was unsensitive to the Lord. He's like, hey, woman, what are you coming in here drunk talking to yourself? She's like, uh, no, I was praying. And, you know, then, of course, you know, through the graciousness of the Holy Spirit of God, Uh, her prayer was answered and God opened her womb and she had told the Lord, if you allow me to have a son, I will give that son back to you. And that's exactly what she did. She had that baby and she named him Samuel. And Hannah kept her word to the Lord 
And she says, I'm going to give him back to you. And she did that as soon as he was weaned. And so how old was he? We're not told exactly, but probably between three and four years old. And she took him to the temple to serve in the temple under Eli, the priest. Now understand, there's nothing in our lives that God doesn't already know about us. Nothing, of course. You know, uh, Psalm 139.16 says, Your eyes have seen my unformed substance, and in your book were written all the days that were ordained for me, yet when there was not one of them. God, think about that. God, before we were ever born, God knew every word of our life. He knew everything that was going to happen to us. I mean, just how the Lord could know that about the billions of people that have inhabited, you know, planet Earth is just mind-boggling who the Lord is. But think about that. Before you ever came out of your mother's womb, he knew everything about you. So there's nothing hidden before the Lord, which, again, on one side is horrifying because he has seen all of it, the good, the bad, and the very ugly, but yet God still loves us. So yes, everything in the past as well as everything in the future is already known to God. The whole time that Hannah thought that her circumstances were never going to change, that she would never be a mother, that she would never have children, God had a plan for her, and his plan is now starting to unfold before us. Know this, Israel, at this time, had fallen away from the Lord. There was a breakdown with Eli and the priesthood and his sons that were also priests, and it was just a sign of how far the people had fallen away from God. And now God's plan was way more than just opening Hannah's womb you know, and just blessing this woman with children because she had more children after uh, Samuel was born. But there was a bigger plan to this. And the bigger plan was God wanted to do a restoring act to the nation of Israel. So God's plan was to change the course in the direction of an entire nation because of the birth of this baby. Listen to what God said in 1 Samuel 2.35. He says, but I will raise up for myself a faithful priest, Because Eli and his sons were not faithful priests. So God says, I'm going to raise up a faithful priest who will do according to what is in my heart and in my soul. And I will build him an enduring house and he will walk before my anointed ways always. So it's like, so God had this purpose and plan. So I'm going to, yes, I'm going to bless this woman who sits at my feet and prays and seeks after me in her desperation. So I'm going to bless her to be a mother, but I'm also going to take the firstborn of this woman who has sat at my feet and has sought my face, and I'm going to use him to change the course and direction of an entire nation. And that's what God was going to do through this little son, baby born named Samuel. Yes, through this young boy, there was a plan, and it was way bigger than what faithful Hannah could ever see. This reminds me of what God told the Old Testament prophet Habakkuk in Habakkuk chapter 1 verse 5. He says, look among the nations, observe, be astonished, wonder, because I am doing something in your days that you would not believe even if you were told. God always has something going. 
And this is why it's so important for a church to be alive and the body of Christ that attends that church to be alive also. It can't just be a vision of one man. It can't just be a pastor on fire for this or that. It has to be the whole congregation that comes alongside that says, we are living in a time such as this for a reason. Why has God allowed every one of us to be born in this time? You're thinking, I don't know. I wish I was born back in the 50s when gas was 20 cents a gallon. Okay, I understand that, okay? But God has a purpose for letting us be alive when there's $7 a gallon gas, okay? You know, and it's just, it's disheartening to live in a time like this on one hand, but on another hand, you recognize and you realize we are living at the end of time. These are the last days. And so there's a reason why God allowed you to be born in this time because, again, God knew you from eternity back, from the foundations of the world. He knew you would exist. So he could allow you to be born, you know, Collins. You could have been born when? You could have been born in 1783. That's right. You know, you could have been born on a dairy farm and you could have lived your whole life without going more than five miles from your house your whole life, okay? But God says, no. You're going to be a young man in this generation. You're going to live in Florida. Then you're going to live in Los Angeles. You're going to, you know, because God has a purpose for you, has a purpose for every single one of us. There's a reason why we are alive today. It's not just to suffer the onslaught of disaster that our world is going through right now. It's something that is so much greater than all of that. Yes, God has a purpose for all of us. Remember, God has never made it a habit of laying out a step-by-step blueprint for each one of our lives. Like he's not going to tell you, okay, you're going to be here now, then you're going to be here, and then you're going to do this, and you're not going to be at that job for your whole life like you think you are. I'm going to move you over here. He doesn't tell us that. It's just one step at a time. One step, faith by faith, stepful. That's what we do. Yeah, but we're called to be faithful moment by moment in the midst of what unfolds in our lives and what unfolds in the world. But what we do know is this, every single one of us has a part of this divine plan. All of us have a part in the work that God desires to do in the here and now in this dark world that we live in. I wonder what part you're supposed to play in God's purpose of you living in this crazy time that we live in right now. Well, I know part of that plan. And you might wonder, well, what is part of that plan? Consider all the people that are struggling around you right now. Think of all the people that are struggling. Our culture has taken a huge toll on many people. People have lost hope. Chaos has filled many cities. Crime rates are, you know, quadruple. Some are seeing no way out for us. People are overwhelmed with loneliness and emptiness. I wonder how many people you know that are really concerned. Because, I mean, even us as believers, you can... Find yourself like, wow, what's going on? I mean, it's like, yeah, is it safe to live here anymore? Or, you know, where can I go? And this and that and what have you. But that's why in these times, we as the body of Christ, who have the hope of heaven living inside of us, we need to share Christ with them and invite them to church more than ever. Amen. Understand, people are worth a phone call. Amen. People are worth a text. 
Yes, without a doubt, God has a plan for our lives to draw others into a relationship with him to help them grow closer to the Lord. There's just times when you think it's going to go well and it goes off the tracks. And then there's other times when you're not even, you know, like, I don't know how this is going to go. And then it ends up being a huge blessing. So, you know, that's why God is just saying, you know, he's saying, look, I just want you to speak the words. Whether they receive it or not is not up to you. Has nothing to do with you. I want them to know that I love them. So even if they reject it, you know, one day they're going to stand before me and they're going to like, I never knew. It's like, uh, well, actually that person from core church, they were telling you and you were like blowing them off. Okay. And so God still wants us to share the message. See, Samuel had to learn to listen to God. It's a learned behavior. And I, you know, and I can tell you this after being a Christian for 44 years, it's like, it's a learned behavior. You know, the, the more you uh, spend time with the Lord, the more you learn to listen to that very still small voice. Because again, I've never heard the audible voice of God, but he has spoken to my heart sometimes where it almost feels audible because it's just so, oh my goodness. And many times, you know, you might wonder, you know, since I talk forever on messages, you know, it's like every message I have is 45 minutes. You're like, you know, they can't be because you, you've never spoke for 45 minutes your entire life. And that's true. But my messages are word content for 45 minutes, but I'm like walking away from the notes and I'm sharing all this stuff. And because the Lord lays things on my heart and I, you know, and I, I hear that still small voice and I want to make sure that I speak all the things that he wants me to speak. So Samuel had to learn to listen. And it all started one night, a night like any other night. And it happened after years of Samuel faithfully serving the Lord. And a word came to him from God himself. Understand, a word from the Lord was so rare in these days, not because God didn't want to speak to his people, but rather the complete opposite of that. The people didn't want to listen to the Lord. Remember, the main way that we hear from the Lord today is the same way that these people heard from God. And that was by reading his word. It was by hearing the teaching of God's word. See, it's like when you're sitting in a message and all of a sudden something comes across and the Lord's like, that's you. I mean, there's times people come to me, it's like, man, pastor, that was like a message that was right to me. It's like you were speaking to me. And it's like, That's the Holy Spirit that just takes something, analogy or something or some part of the word of scripture and all of a sudden he just breathes life into it and then bam, it just ministers to you. And it's not because I spoke it, it's because God has spoken to you through that. It could be a conviction of sin. It could be, you know, just a revelation to you during a, a Bible study. That's the Holy Spirit because you're here and you're listening. So it's when you're reading his word, that's the most of the time when God speaks to me. It's when you're hearing his word and it's when you're obeying his word. Yes, the word of God is what triggers it all. But just like today, many people are more interested by what they read on Twitter than what's written in the word of God. And that's why God's not speaking to many people today. There's too much noise out there. The news and this and that and all the social medias. And I spend, you know, six hours on Facebook and no time in the word. Well, I wonder why God's not speaking to you. But in our text here today, we find that Samuel's life was different from all the others. 
We're not sure of his age because we're not told of his age at this time, though most believe he was a young teenager at this point. You know, maybe he was, you know, between 14 and 16 or something. And let me just tell you, I was a youth pastor uh, for 15 years. And during that time, I watched God used young people like you could not imagine. I had high schoolers that were leading hundreds of people to Christ. Not, not, oh, this teenager led three people to Christ. No, I had some teenagers that led into the hundreds people of, you know, people to Christ. I would take teenagers all over the United States, all over the world. I, I, I would take 50 and 60 kids. I mean, we, I took 60 or 70 kids to Hawaii one time. We were suffering for the Lord, of course, you know, but, uh, but we were over there at Honolulu doing a harvest crusade over there at the Aloha Bowl. And, and I mean, we led like, you know, 200 people to Christ there, you know, just people from all over the United States and the world that, you know, go to Hawaii on vacation, and there they meet these rabid teenagers that are out there sharing Christ. It was just crazy. I mean, just seeing all the crazy things that God did with these teenagers. So, you know, why did God grab so many young people in the Bible? Why did he grab Samuel when he was just a teenager? Why did he grab Jeremiah when he was a teenager? Because he had ears to hear, and they'd be willing to go and do what they would happen to do. It was amazing how, you know, you can speak to adults and say, you should go out and share Christ. And they're like, yes, God bless you. Yes, we should. And then nothing happens. And then you're in a high school minister like, listen, you need to go out and just bring someone next week to Bible study from your high school. And then next week, the place would be packed and you know, 40 people would give their life to Christ. And it's just like, they listen, you know, just our high schoolers is like, oh, okay, I guess that's what we're supposed to do. And then they would just do it. And so God speaks to young people because they have ears to hear. Let's read 1 Samuel 3, 1. He says, now the boy Samuel was ministering to the Lord before Eli, the priest. And the word from the Lord was rare in those days. Visions were infrequent. And it happened at the time as Eli was lying down in his place. So they're going to bed now. Now his eyesight had been begun to grow dim and he could, you know, uh, not see well. And the lamp of God was not yet gone out. And Samuel was lying down in the temple of the Lord where the ark of God was. Okay, what now? He's lying down in the temple of the Lord where the Ark of the Covenant was? Oh my goodness. Like, how cool is that? Yeah, go sleep over there. Where? Yeah, next to the Ark of the Covenant. Okay, all right. Well, anyway, verse four, uh, that the Lord called Samuel and he said, here I am. Then he ran into Eli and said, here I am for you called me. And Eli said, I didn't call you. Go lie down again. Go back to bed, kid. So he went and laid down in verse 6, and the Lord called yet again, Samuel. So Samuel rose up and he went into Eli and said, here I am, for you called me. But Eli answered, I did not call you my son. Go lay down again. Stop bothering me. I'm trying to get some sleep here. What's wrong with you? Here we find Samuel sleeping next to the Ark of the Covenant. You know, and of course, the Ark of the Covenant represented what? The presence of God. Inside of the Ark of the Covenant was what? It was like a jar of manna. It was the rod of Aaron, the Moses' rod. 
you know, and there was a copy of the Ten Commandments in it. You know, those three things, you know, the, the copy of the Ten Commandments represented the law of God. You know, the, the rod of Aaron, you know, the rod of Moses that they, you know, touched the Red Sea or the Nile River with and it turned to blood in the Red Sea and it split in half. It's like uh, that represented the power of God. And of course, the jar of manna represented the provision of God. But again, whenever the Ark of the Covenant would come in, it was the presence of God. So Samuel was getting ready to go to sleep like every other day. And that's when it happened. He wasn't expecting it. And after faithfully serving the Lord daily for some, who knows, 12 to 14 years, Samuel hears this voice. So, of course, he thought it was Eli calling him because he just hears this. You know, you can imagine his dead side and all of a sudden, you know, Samuel. So he runs into Eli, you know, and what a great sign of obedience, is that not? You know, here's the Eli priest. I'm here to serve you, so how can I serve you? And it wasn't Eli that was calling for Samuel. Yet there was no one else around. Then it happened again. Samuel runs into Eli. Yet he responded the same way. I didn't call you. Notice how the Lord called in the quietness of the night. Thanks for joining us for Core Truth Radio. You've been listening to pastor and Bible teacher Steve Wilbur of Core Church Los Angeles. If you'd like to hear more messages by Pastor Steve, download the Core Church Los Angeles free app available on iOS and Android. Core Truth is sponsored by and is a listener-supported outreach of Core Church LA. If you've been blessed by this program, consider supporting our radio ministry by texting Core Church LA to 77977. You can also give via our app or online at corechurchla.org. Or you can mail your support to P.O. Box 34789, Los Angeles, California, 90034. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.